entrepreneurs, the successful people understand that this is again not not a even though I, I say work in sprints, the entire entrepreneurship cycle is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You can do small tests in sprints, but the journey and your self development is a marathon. It takes yeah. time. It, that's why, like a lot of successful people, you'll see that they meditate a lot, they exercise, they eat well, because you're trying to set yourself up in the best way possible, where everything else is consistent. Because this thing won't be, this thing will yeah. not be. It, it's an unforgiving lifestyle. As long as your mental health is in order, and you can understand that it may not work today, and there's going to be highs someday where you're ecstatic and things are going super well, and your team and everything's good, and then other days you're like, how do I even pay myself? How do I even Put food on the table, right?、Yeah. And understanding that you know what, it's not about the peaks and the troughs. It's about making sure that you are, you stay consistent through all the highs and lows. Is how entrepreneurs in the end get to success. Hello, dreamers and action takers. Welcome to another episode of the Want Money Got Money podcast. I'm your host Sam Kamani, and my today's guest is Ashley Martis. Now, Ashley is a serial entrepreneur. And an amazingly effective networker, he has managed to make connections all around the world. And today, he is going to share his entrepreneurship journey, what has worked for him, what mistakes he has learned from, and how to be an effective networker. Currently, he is working on a startup called Startup Fuel, where he aims to connect founders and entrepreneurs like you. Globally, with the resources you need to be successful. So let's hear from him more about it. Ashley, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. I've been wanting to talk with you.、Um, I have heard and I've read so much about startup fuel. Want to know、um, everything about it? Tell us a bit about what you are up to these days. Yeah, so Startup Fuel is a is a brand new LinkedIn type platform for the startup ecosystem,、uh, connecting founders and corporations, accelerators, mentors、um, from everywhere. I think you know one of the biggest problems that we're trying to solve is the lack of organization of this ecosystem. I mean, it's exploded ever since the you know the first days the、uh, Stanford、yes. president back in、uh, you know in、uh, in the Valley invested in his two PhD students to create the first automated vacuum cleaner. Um, which, which a lot of people have claimed as the one of the birth of the entire valley and the tech movement.、Uh, from there, it snowballed, got bigger and bigger. There were exits.、Uh, universities got involved. So from that point on, it just it exploded all over around the world. I mean, from from California to、uh, places in Israel where they started using military、uh, to to help fund the、uh, technology boom. Now it's in every country, in every city, in every little nook. There's technology everywhere, right? But、yes. nobody has taken the time to actually index everything, organize the entire space, and put like labels and、um, kind of tags to everything. So we took it on ourselves. How are, how is someone supposed to navigate this ecosystem when nobody has organized the ecosystem, right? So、yeah. that's kind of what we do at Startup Fuel is try to build a building a platform to make the equitable distribution of resources for entrepreneurs and helping people connect them if they don't even have access to it. That's excellent. So your niche would be around startups and entrepreneurs, compared to LinkedIn, which is about everything from HR to pretty much consulting to any sort of、um, business. It could be hardware, it could be software,、um, but you're you're focusing on the startup niche. You would say, yeah, exactly. I mean, like there's so much. Boom! That's happening in the world in the world of startups, and I'm sure everybody 
in around the world knows the word startup has become has gotten a lot of popularity in the last little while right so yeah, yeah we want to focus in in one area i mean the the dream one day is to become a small business platform where anybody who wants to open up their first company and to grow it comes here finds the resources the you know the the lawyers the accountants everybody needed to get their company yeah. off the ground but today we don't want to go too big too fast and so our Absolutely. focus is let's let's focus on the startup industry let's focus on this niche there's a very systematic model um, yeah. from early stage venture going to accelerator programs angel networks venture capital funding uh, corporate ventures and exits it's there's somewhat of a stru- structure so it's easy to to start here and then expand yeah. to other small businesses no that's great how did you get interested in in startups and entrepreneurship yeah so you know i went to i went to business school and um you know a, a school called Schulich up here in in canada and toronto a pretty well known and established uh, reputable school um going into school i always wanted to do accounting i even took some accounting courses in in high school um but when when i entered the program i actually a, a friend of mine and his older brother started a a, a small textbook rental company um by the name of bookfly and it was a really really cool startup um expanded and grew and i really got um you know really well versed with him about how things were going even came on helped to advise him a little bit um helped with the, the um uh really on a part time basis with some of the books with my accounting background um and then as the company grew they exited the company and yeah. as part of that as part of the exit i was realizing this is such a cool industry you can go in and create new innovations disrupt the the status quo and change the way things are done So while I was working in like corporates I worked in in banking I worked in in marketing and consulting all the time in the evenings I wanted to run startup companies so I did that I had like my 9 to 5 jobs as an intern and then from 6 to 11 I had a, a you know offices in in the city where I'd go and work and build something cool so I I've been involved in so many different hackathons and competitions and things like that that I just like started to understand that this is the future of the business world it's the a, a real disruption using technology to change what everyone thought is just the the way things would go and make something new make something that is more fair for everybody else and uh yeah. distributes the kind of wealth the from from the 1% down to to more equitable sources yeah makes sense um and just looking at your um linkedin profile and just looking at your online social profile it seems like you have been to a lot of places and you've done a lots of interesting things from mentoring to meeting people um what are some of those sort of things that you've been involved in yeah so i i i'm a i'm a big believer in the power of your network right um i actually got connected when i was younger to a um a very very successful business entrepreneur here in Canada uh, by the name of Harry Rosen who actually owns and operates a men's retail wear and i had met him at a conference he was a keynote speaker i went up to him i was like i'm i'm 18 years old hustling entrepreneur I'd love to learn about you know get some uh, advice from you i impressed him and he invited me to his office and took me under his wing as my mentor um yeah. i went there a couple of times and the number one thing he taught me was you know it's not about what you know in this world it's about who you know it's literally about your network and how well you can manage and organize those relationships so from that day on i set my own personal goal to do about one to two networking events almost religiously for the for, for the foreseeable future that yeah. was about 9 years ago 9 and a half years ago um i'm now 760 you know roughly around events deep in around 30 cities around the world 
Um, I love going to talking to people. Some people read books. Some people uh, digest information by going to classes and doing things. For me, the, my entire learnings come from people. I go around and I talk to a lot of people and especially because the startup space, the innovation space are filled with passionate people who love what they're doing and are trying to change the way their industry works. So when you talk yes. to them about what's going on, they know they're the forefront of what everything's changing. So you get to absorb information and learn. So for me, yeah. going to all these places, um, I initially started going around Toronto and then started going to the US, going to New York and California, then started venturing out to Europe, Asia. Um, and other places in the Middle East. And at that point in time, I started learning that startups is actually not just a North American or not, not just a, you know, a Southern California kind of initiative, but it's, it's exploding everywhere. So yeah. what is really needed is, is a way for us to you know, communicate and connect people. And that's how my entire um, business and everything started when I was in, in Los Angeles um, many, many years ago. Uh, I went and visited a buddy of mine who, who was living out there. He said, come and, come and stay with me. And uh, it, was, it was awesome. I went and you know, hung out in LA and got to go to networking events. Went to this really cool event called Angel Hack, which is a, it's a hackathon that happens. Uh, I think, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe it was in the Independence Day Tower. So in the movie Independence Day, there's a tower in LA. So yeah. it was really cool. We went there to that event. And um, I got to meet one angel network that was like, hey, um, you know what? California is getting saturated in terms of how much it costs of living and things like that. And they're not a massive angel network or angel fund. So they want to invest in the East Coast of the US. They want to invest in other parts of the world, but they didn't have the capabilities to do so. So they asked me if, they could, if I could recommend some companies that I'm meeting in my travels. And that's how it all began. I recommended a few companies. They invested in one of them, uh, wrote me a, a check for a marketing fee and kind of like said, you know what, this is a really cool uh, way because we really need to find companies that are part of our thesis. Can you help us find that? And that's how we got, you know, that's the beginning of how we got here today. That is excellent. So did you do that sort of uh, service for angel networks, VC funds under a brand name or was it just under your name just informally or, or how did it all work? Yeah. So initially it was just connecting people, um, you know, myself. I didn't even know it was a, it was a business. It was just like, Hey, I know somebody here. Let me make an intro. And then over time, what happened was that it became like the startup company started approaching us and saying, you know, we want to make pitch decks. We want to make business plans and um, we want to make uh, financials. And the investors on the other side said, we also want to find good companies and assess them. And like when, when I studied in school, I studied uh, with a specialization of entrepreneurship and finance and a little bit of venture yeah. capital. So I also became a, kind of like a valuation expert. I, put, uh, I started valuing early stage ventures, uh, put together this really cool Excel model that takes into account all the stuff we learn in, in finance of the public markets, what, how to value like a stock in the, you know, on, the, on the stock exchange. And then I started understanding how do VCs do it? So using like a venture capital scorecard method, an exit scenario. And I said, why don't we put together like a, a big model that actually incorporates all these different models with different weightings yes. based on stages and industries? And I did that and I started selling it to, to small investors and small angel networks to be like, hey, you, we can yeah. be a third party due diligence for you, right? So that's kind of how it, it initially began. And then slowly the startups started coming to, to me and saying, we want to make, we want to help, you know, make, you to help me make pitch decks to make all these things and present to investors. So yeah. in the inkling, that's how it all began. That's great. Um, 
so much, so much to unpack there. Everything from the start of your of of your hustle and going to over seven hundred events and over thirty cities around the world and and all that, to how you are helping startups um, pitch their idea, their startup to investors. Um, there's so many things. But one question I have is like, um, you know, when you you have met so many founders and entrepreneurs in the last five to 10 years. And what is the one common theme that you have seen that successful founders or entrepreneurs do compared to the, the not so successful ones? So I think a lot of it, um, the successful entrepreneurs, is a lot about persistence and understand consistent validation with customers. Like com- completely having like an obsession in solving the problem to the point where they're always thinking about it and always trying to find ways to, to try different methodologies to solve it. You're not going to get it right the first time. Most, most companies yeah. don't. Um, and most founders, I mean, unless you're really lucky, your first venture that you start will be a successful one. Um, you're going to go through failure. You're going to go through times when you're realizing that the business doesn't make sense. It might be a different market timing. Maybe when you started the company, uh, what you were mm-hmm. thinking of was good. But then as you started getting more information, you started realizing maybe there's already something out there. Maybe there's nothing different enough about what you're doing. And then consistently changing and pivoting until something makes sense and you have satisfied yes. customers is what I'm noticing. So even... I got, I got a chance to meet some of the um, really cool companies like Shopify that, uh, you know, was initially yes. from Canada that initially started out. I got to meet their early founders at the, an early stage. And I got to watch all these people that were successful and what they did to become successful. Because there were a bunch of people who didn't, who were the same trajectories. Same, and I think, you know, like I said, a lot to do was iteration, was consistent iteration about what what's right, what's working, doubling down on that. And what's not yes. working, kind of cutting it out and focusing and like, you know, almost cutting their losses in those areas, right? Yeah. So yeah. really, 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 yeah, I would say a customer-centric model yeah. is what success is really based on. That is super useful for any founder that's listening. The other question I have is like, you know, um, a lot of my audience or people I'm connected with and who listen to this or follow on social media and all that, they are all very early stage founders. Um, Some of them, they just have like a minimum viable product. Some of them have like, say, a few handful of customers, clients. Um, How do you even start valuing something like that when you don't have a massive track record? You have just started, say, six months ago, a year ago, something like that. You don't have three years of financial data to, I don't know, to evaluate a company in the traditional sense. Yeah. So, I mean, like at the end of the day, business is all about revenue, right? It's all about like money coming in at some point. It doesn't have to be today. It's got to be at some point. Some companies, they start out and they have a product to sell that's ready to sell today. You know, service firms can sell yeah. their service or, you know, to tomorrow uh, yeah. versus some products might take some development of the product to build. But in reality, at some point in time, there is something that needs that can be sold, right? Yeah. And understanding, yeah. you know, if you if everything went right from now until then, one customer who was purchasing your product, what is that price they could be paying for it? right? What is that potential price? And what are other competitors in the space who are paying that same thing? What are they paying right now? And how could you, you, you basically compare yourself? So from that point on, when you have one customer who's paying, you can then work backwards from there, yeah. right? You can say, there's always a funnel 
that comes into place when, you know, you're not going to get every single customer you target will actually convert to a paying user. There'll be a percentage. And at, at certain points, it drops off. So if you walk, work backwards from that one point and say, okay, in the industry, one sale is equal to $10,000 worth of lifetime value. Like the company will, or that person or the consumer will purchase it X amount of times. Um, and you work backwards to the, to the starting point, you realize that, okay, to get this one customer, we're going to have to drop off many people along the way. So yes. other, other industries, other companies in the same industry like us may have like a, let's say a 5% conversion from the people they're targeting today to that end goal. So if you as a business have a strategy to build in customer acquisition and say, this is how much it costs for us to bring companies in, you know how many people you can target at the top end of your funnel. Yeah. Right. You'll know. So if you're starting off with X amount of money or some kind of an outreach, you'll know that's how you're going to start. And then you also know, based on those industry standard conversions, what the value of that, that customer will be in the end. So using that method, you know the value of how much a lifetime value of a customer is. Yeah. And when you work backwards, the number of mailing list people, the number of people in your network, whatever it is, starts becoming the valuation of the business. And again, it's very complicated. It's not as easy as this, but this is an example of something, of a way to start thinking of how to value a business. What is the end customer and what is the path needed to take to get there? And what do we need to do today to start building a re- an iterative process to, to improve the funnel? That is super, super valuable. So pretty much, um, could you say it? It's like um, the CAC to LTV ratio would be the key thing. You can't say that. Because you can't every say industry that. Is, yeah. No, you can't say that because every industry is different, right? Um, yeah. Certain industries, maybe that would make sense for um, certain industries. It doesn't. Right. So like, but in a, in a broad sense, it, it's a good measure to understand that as long as you can um, bring in customers and acquire them for cheaper than their lifetime value, you know that there's a viable business model. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it has to do with deal with volume. Right. Sometimes it has yeah. to deal with a, a crazy amount of volume. So even like the likes of like Netflix. Right. For them, like paying six ninety nine or nine ninety nine a month is a very small price, right? And yeah. that number would would take a a really long time to to monetize and actually make a significant amount of money. But because of the internet, we are we are now allowed um, to reach mass volumes of people. We're allowed to we can reach up to like you know huge huge volumes that were not possible before. So yeah. if you can bake into your model saying, look. At the early stage, we're going to be investing a lot of money into the, into the product and the development. But at some point in time, all of the, those things are going to convert at small pieces of revenue or even large pieces of revenue. At the end of the day, the volume will carry and it will outweigh the cost. That's, yeah. what, that's what I kind of define as a startup company versus a normal company. Absolutely. At some, at some point in time, the marginal cost of every single uh, new customer is exponentially decreasing. Yes. Right. And, and the revenue is still going up. So every single new customer, because most of the technology and the stuff has already been built before. Right. Yeah. Now, every new customer doesn't require a lot of cost, maybe data, maybe storage. Maybe there is yeah. some some cost associated. Right. But having that exponential difference between revenue, uh, the number for revenue and the cost associated with that and increasing over time is what a startup is different from a regular business. That is really, really good. Um, I need to make a clip of this for for anyone 
you know, thinking about um, valuing or um, finding a value for their for their startup of or what they can you know pitch it at. Um, so looking back of your nine years or ten years that you've been you've been doing this, if you had an advice for your younger self, um, think of like Ashley was just starting out. What would that advice be? Um, I, I think, like I said before, like being able to do that reiterative process, which I also learned over time, you know, yeah. and being able to cut things out that didn't make sense or try, try, try things in sprints. So try things out with a clear cut goal. Like if I'm trying a new method, let me give it X amount of time for it to work. Let me determine what a success point is. Like if we hit this number of, of a metric, it is successful. Anything less than that, it's not successful. And saying, what do I need to do before I start this sprint to make sure that I can have set myself up in the best way to get there and test it out? I think when you take a very um, systematic approach to entrepreneurship, uh, what yeah. you end up doing is you end up de-risking everything you do rather than adding on and trying to figure it out. But sometimes, honestly, like, I wouldn't, I don't regret anything. And I think that a part of the process when you, when you have different companies and you're building out yourself is you learn different aspects of a business that you never knew before, you know, payroll, uh, things like, you know, applying for tax or making sure the company is situated in the right area in the right environment, uh, trying new tools. Every time you have a new venture or anything, you learn something new that you didn't know before. So this entrepreneurship is, is an, a lifelong journey. It's not a you know, one-time thing that you'll do. And sometimes you may get successful because things worked out and luck plays a huge, huge, huge factor, right? But mm-hmm. things that don't get discouraged. Entre- the successful people understand that this is, again, not, not a, even though I, I say work in sprints, the entire entrepreneurship cycle is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You can do small tests in sprints, but the journey and your self-development is a marathon. It takes yeah. time. It, that's why like a lot of successful people, they, you know, you'll, you'll see that they meditate a lot, they exercise, they eat well, because mm-hmm. you're trying to set yourself up in the best way possible where everything else is consistent because this thing won't be. This thing will yeah. not be. It, it's an unforgiving lifestyle. And so yeah. as long as your mental health is in order and you can understand that it may not work today and there's going to be highs someday where you're ecstatic and things are going super well and your team and everything's going on. And some other days you're like, how do I even pay myself? How do I even put food on the table? Right. And understanding that, you know what, it's not about the peaks and the troughs. It's about making sure that you are, you stay consistent through all the highs and lows is how entrepreneurs in the end get to success. That is so, so true. I cannot agree more. And I do really like that um, analogy that he gave that, you know, it is, it is a marathon, but for, for me, how I feel it is like it's a marathon made up of lots of small sprints along the way. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you have to just keep consistent. And I've seen that even from the best startups, the best content creators, the best YouTube channels. The one thing everyone has in common is that they are consistent. They keep doing what they are doing um, over and over. And, and as you said, looking after your mental health, physical health, relationships, all that help you um, in the long run because smart people like you understand that this is not a six-month thing. This is a lifelong journey, <laughs> entrepreneurship, yes, that is. Yeah. So, so that is great. Um, before we go, I have this um, three sort of quick questions. Um, what was 
um, the last book you read or what's the book that you are reading right now? So um, there's a book called Decoding Silicon Valley, which I'm, I'm reading. And it's very much, it's very important for me because of the ecosystem that we're building. It was written by a man named Jonathan Baer, who's a grandfather of the Silicon Valley. Like I met him in, in, in the Valley. He's had multiple funds himself. Um, and the, the entire the book talks about how to navigate a tech ecosystem. And it's specifically for the Sil- it's Silicon Valley, but it applies to any current tech ecosystem today. How do you build use relationships to, to leverage connections and get to, to certain milestones, right? Exactly. I really like that. And I think that any, any tech entrepreneur, I think it's not a very, um, you know, it's not an, in recommended in many places, but I honestly would yes. recommend anybody to take a look at that book. Um, obviously, you, you have the, the standards, the, the lean methodologies, lean startup, all those other, other books itself. But this one, I think, you know, aside from the generic ones, is a really cool one. Yeah. Uh, and one more I'd also suggest is the book called Hooked, another yeah. very good book that talks about how how we as how we um, attract consumers today with a certain you know trigger, how they make an investment based on that trigger, how they get rewarded, and then re-trigger them to come back into the flow. It's a really cool concept, and it doesn't just apply to startups; it applies to many different types of businesses. It's just a really smart framework about thinking about how to give value to customers first and then ask them to do something for you in return. Can I ask you a quick question about the book Decoding Silicon Valley? And you talked about leveraging networks or leveraging your connections. And I see you as someone who has done this extremely well. So how do you, in your view, leverage connections or leverage your network the best? I'm still learning. I'm not even an expert at this. I'm like, I have lots of connections. And for the longest time, I was building up the connections. Now I'm looking to like actually start, you know, utilizing it. And something that is very um, underrated is a personal CRM. I think everybody in a, in a business world, especially CEOs and founders, should look to invest and try to find a personal CRM, whether it's you find a Salesforce, you use Zoho, you use like some, some tools, whatever it is. Or even if you set up like a Trello board or something and use that as a CRM, being able to keep track of contacts and have you know regular follow-ups with the people that you are um, you know most you, you you find not only are inspiring but also you you appreciate what the work they've done and give them that that credibility and that acknowledgement is really important because you know in a world full of distractions there's a lot of people you'll meet. Like I said, I've met 40,000 people and some of the people I've met, I don't even remember still. And I wish I started on day one to do this, where I started putting them into a CRM, seeing when was the last time I chatted with them? When's the last time I emailed them? So that, and then index them with some tags. Who, who are they? What do they do? What, is, what do they want? You know, how can I help them, right? Once yeah. you understand that, you start helping other people. That's what I did a lot of in the beginning. I was just, I made connections and introductions without asking for anything in return. It was just like, oh, you need a marketing agency. Oh, I just met one in a conference a couple of weeks ago. Let me make an intro. And over time, what people, they become very appreciative of you. Yeah. They're like, oh, thank you so much. How can I, what can I do to help you? Right? And like that, you know, honestly, helping people is a, is a big purpose of human life. Yeah. I think I believe happiness is helping other people. The more you can help others, Right. And it's not enough for selfish intent, not to like to yeah. get help back or anything. But the more people you help, the more lives you impact in a good way. And we only have a limited time on this planet anyways. Right. We only have, yes. you know, 80, 90 years, if that, if that, exactly. you know, to, yes. to live. So like once you're, once you pass away and you're, you're, you know, you're gone from this world, have you left a legacy and have you helped people? 
it doesn't have to be a legacy where you are a billionaire or a millionaire or whatever that kind of that kind of st- legacy but even if you've helped one person with their life and imp- and improved them made their life better you can at least r- go to bed or go to your rest knowing that at least one person's life was improved because of something i did and if i wasn't here that would never happen that helps so much with your um, it comes back to that customer-centric focus when I was yes. talking about in, in terms of success. Because if you think of customers as, as people and friends and family that you want to help out and you want to make their lives easier, everything else just comes naturally. Yep, 100%. I will share with you what I do um, on the personal CRM side. So just as you said, I have a Trello, um, a Trello board for, so I do a bit of podcasting. So I have a Trello board where I have all the podcast guests and all the podcast hosts and anyone I meet. And then after later on, I go and then I connect them and I do it just for free because I like connecting people. And then sometimes when those connections do business or they do well together, um, I get happiness out of it because I get messages that, hey, thank you for introducing me to so-and-so. It helped me here. And then I've got another Trello board for investors um, looking to invest in startups. And I've got a Trello board of um, startups looking for funding. And then if they are in the same niche or industry, I connect them. So I've got multiple Trello boards. But you know what this makes me think that there is a huge need for a personal CRM and that is going to be massive in in future as we leverage our connections and people understand the value of social connections. Um, so, so yeah, I cannot agree more. So if someone listening and who has time on their hand, they should go and build a personal CRM for, for individual human beings. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've actually seen, I've seen a couple of them now that that have come really. Out. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, I've Good seen a couple of them. I don't I don't know, I don't know off the top of my head any of them. I, I'll have to research and I can probably share that with you in your network. But I've seen a couple of them that have come out. Um, you know, LinkedIn is is a is a professional CRM, right? It's a personal yes. CRM for your professional network. Facebook is like a is like a CRM, right? If you think yes. about it. But like being able to uh, you know actually actively go and do something with the with the people is very un- underrated, you know, like yeah. going out and even just messaging somebody saying, I have no reason to message you. I have no, I have no intent. Just, I just want to thank you for having been part of my life and, you know, having come, come and cross paths. You have no idea the power that people feel when they get a message like that. It's like, wait, what? Like, there's no reason for this. Like, why is, why is this person thanking me? And immediately it sparks a conversation to be like, okay, this person just cares, you know, about, yes. about well-being. And, and obviously you don't do that just to everybody. You do that to people that you, you care about or you have a, a, you're inspired by, right? Yes, absolutely. So that's a tip. If, you're, if, you're, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're somebody listening, why don't you take the time, write an email and send it to five people, just five people that you don't talk to, but have inspired you and just say, hey, I'm, I'm not, um, you know, I have no reason to send this, but, you know, what you've done, your work, whatever has, has really inspired me and has made me, really push on my journey. So thank you so much and keep doing you. Just, just do that. You'll see what power and positive response that brings. And then, you know, you, maybe you can, you can report back to me. My email is ash at startupfield.com and just let me know how that went. I'd love to, uh, you know, share everyone's experience around that. Look, I'm going to do that. And I will report back and I will even record my journey and make a video and post it on LinkedIn and Insta and everywhere on, on that. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, suggestion and and recommendation will definitely follow. Second question of these three ones is that, um, is there a podcast that you listen to or do you recommend? 
the 20 Minute VC. I actually have that as a top, one of my top ones. 20 Minute VC is another really good podcast on Spotify yeah. I listen to. Um, if you haven't heard of it, that's another good one. It has some good insights on the, the market, how it's changing, how the VC, how VCs really want to you know, look at companies and as, startup, uh, as a startup founder, really, really cool place to go. I will check that out as well. And the last question is, if you had unlimited time, resources and money, what would you build or what would you work on? If I had unlimited time, resources and money, I would, I would um, build a international space exploration company to be able to take humanity into space. And that's kind of what something I, I keep under, under wraps on under, under like very low key, but one day that's my dream is to turn everything that I'm doing into a way to unite all the innovators on the planet for one purpose so that we can all start exp- like getting, becoming an interplanetary species and start, you know, uh, living on different, you know, living in the moon and getting uh, on Mars. I think yeah. either our generation, end of our generation or the next couple of generations will start really, um, harnessing the power of our, you know, our solar systems. And uh, I'd love to love to be able to start that before my time is up on this planet. Yeah, it, it will, it will happen. I'm, I'm pretty sure about that, that we will eventually become an interplanetary species. It's just time. <laughs> it's just when it's it just happens. Time. It's yeah. just, yeah, whether it happens in the next 15 years, 20 years or 50 years or 80 years. That's, yeah. So yeah, so that, no, that's, that's why I really appreciate the work of like uh, people like Elon Musk that what they're doing with SpaceX. Yeah. I had a chance in LA to go out to to, to there check out what they're up to. It, it's it's honestly the the reusable rockets was is a very like it's smart way to start. Very very yeah. smart way to start. And next uh, the the com- combination of the electric electric technology coming out of Tesla with SpaceX uh, and NASA's you know newest uh, ro- you know technologies, I think is the the pioneer into that. But that's just the travel from here. to there there's a whole set of problems in space that we have yet to to deal and they're going to be needing entrepreneurs all over the globe who are coming up with ideas and solutions to get us to to be able to live and operate there so you know there's still so much innovation yet to come and the startup movement is just beginning it's i call it the revolution sometimes we use this phrase at startup fuel that we're fueling the startup revolution because it's just begun last 20 30 years and there's still another hundreds and hundreds of years to go for how it's going to explode. Yep. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, and finally, do you have an ask? Are you looking for customers, investors, team? What are you looking for? Yeah. So I'm, uh, right now we're looking at you know, companies to come on, on the platform, startup companies. We're trying to help connect them to various resources. So even if pitch competitions, accelerator programs, venture capital funds, government grants, corporate innovation, come and list your opportunity here. The network is growing yeah. and people will be able to find you. And likewise, the startup companies come and list your profiles. We are building a platform for the people. The, it's, it's built by founders for founders. The purpose is to help people reduce the failure rate from 90% down to 40. So definitely come, come in. Um, and every day we're trying new things using data and B2B networks to help people become successful. Help people, right? Back to the, the same, uh, the concept we're talking about. Um, but yeah, um, that's the thing. We are also in the middle of our, uh, of our round of, of raising capital and we're looking for investors from all over the world um, and trying to build a good syndicate of, of different funds investing in big data um, so if anybody is an investor out there or knows some, yeah. some, some funds that would be really interested in building a global entrepreneurial network to unite the innovators of the world, yeah. come chat with me. 
Fantastic. I will put all your links under in the description and or on the screen if it is going out on a video. So thank you, Ashley, so much for your time. It was a pleasure talking with you. Um, yeah, all the best for all your future ventures. Yeah, thank you so much, Sam. And thank you for doing this. These podcasts are amazing. Um, you know, and I love to share with my network as well. That's great. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Want Money, Got Money with Sam Kamani. Hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights that would help you in your startup or your business. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform. It would be extremely helpful and I just cannot tell you how much I would appreciate that.